Presented by Quickcrete and Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here for you to help with your home improvement and decor projects, but help yourself first and join the conversation. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now. Tell us what's going on in your Money Pit. The number is 1 888 Money Pit, 888 666 3974. And now that we are smack dab in the middle of summer, we're also smack dab in the middle of the major summer storm season. And have you ever noticed that if a major storm hits an area, homes that were otherwise generally safe and sound can quickly turn into a leaking, mold-free mess? I mean, it's terrible how quickly it happens. So we're going to have some tips this hour on how to find and fix the kind of leaks that cause that kind of damage before it gets started. And when you're renting an apartment for the first time, there are many things to consider outside of just the apartment itself. We're going to tell you what you need to know to make the best choice in where you live. And the hottest part of the summer always brings out the most bugs, including the dreaded disease-carrying ticks. So we'll have some tips to help you stop those ticks from taking a bite out of your summer fun. But first, we want to hear from you. Look around your home. I know there's a project or two, or in our case, about a dozen, (laughs) that you want to get started, or maybe that you're in the middle of. Let's talk about it. Let's see if we can get you moving along. The number again, 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Richard in Tennessee is on the line and has an interesting question involving an antique soda machine. Tell us about it. Well, I bought an antique soda machine that actually worked, and I uh, wanted to put the old quarter in and slide the bottle out, but I took it and put it in the garage, plugged it in, and as soon as the compressor kicked on, it tripped the GFCI breaker, or the GFCI circuit on the plug. So I reset it, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't stay reset. Well, that is totally expected, because refrigerators, when they kick on, have a very big draw of current, and that's necessary to get them going, and then it kind of goes down after that. But refrigerators are not supposed to be installed on ground fault circuits. And as a result, yours is going to keep tripping as it has. So your uh, proper solution would be to run a circuit just for that machine. And if it's just for that machine, it does not have to be ground fault protected. The reason uh, it's ground fault protected, uh, the circuit in the, in, the, in the garage is ground fault protected is because it's a wet location. But for a dedicated uh, service to one machine, it would not have to be. You'll have to have an electrician do that. I would not, you know, disconnect the current ground fault because that covers the rest of the outlets in the garage. And it could even cover outside outlets or bathroom outlets. Sometimes uh, that circuit uh, can wind its way through the house. But uh, I would put in a dedicated outlet just for that machine, and then the problem should go away. Thank you very much. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. I mean, that sounds kind of fun to have that in the house. It does. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like everything, you think, I got the machine, I'm good to go. I got to just plug it in. Ah, not so quick. There's other expenses <laughs> to making sure it works right. When that <laughs> machine was common, you know, you didn't have to worry about ground faults because we didn't have them yet. So, right. <laughs> never had the issue. Today we do. They were far so more dangerous then. <laughs> yeah. Now you got to add the circuit. <laughs> Debbie in Ontario is on the line, has a question about concrete. What's going on? Um, my question to do with concrete is that we, we had a cement porch and patio. 
um, okay. attached to the back of the house. We had to have a large portion of that, like the pat, the porch for sure, and a large portion of the patio removed because we had um, our, around our foundation dug. New cement was poured, the porch first, and then the patio was replaced. What happened is within about four days or so, it, like they did the cuts the next day after the pour, but a few more days after that we noticed two cracks came in the two cement pads that butt up against the porch. And left and right side, the crack goes diagonally across the pad. I just were kind of wondering, um, the, the contractor saw what happened and he's sick about it, and we were just wondering if there's anything that can be done without having to remove those two large pads of cement that attach to the house and go through all that jackhammering and all that again. So these pads, is this like a stoop that you say they lead up to the porch? Are these like parts of sort of the sidewalk? The patio and then the porch is the only thing that's higher than the patio. So the patio is level with the cement driveway and then the porch Mm -hmm. is up from that. So it's on the patio itself. And that's where the crack is through the patio? Yeah, the patio. So the two cement slabs that are on either side of the porch, and the cuts that were made in the cement come up to the corner, the outside corner of the porch on either side, but then you know how they okay. can't cut but right these are Okay, so, so you're talking about a patio, and you're talking about two cement slabs that are opposite ends of the porch, so I'm having a real hard time, as I'm sure others listening are too, trying to figure out what this is all about, but it sounds to me like you've got slab on grade sections, Right, mm-hmm. and calling that a patio or a pad, mm-hmm. and you have the correct. porch section. The porch seems correct. to be fine. Is that correct? Correct. And okay, so I would think that um, the the soil underneath uh, the patio areas um, would need to be especially well compacted before those slabs were poured, because considering the amount of demolition that had to have happened. I suspect that that soil outside the porch area would not have been compacted, and that would have been really key to make sure that those slabs don't crack. Um, the reason that they're cracking is probably because there is some compaction that happened based on the weight of the concrete and the drying and such, and and that's why they're cracking now. Now, can you do anything about it? Well, whatever you do about it is going to be cosmetic, not structural. If Also, if that concrete was not reinforced... That's another reason that it would crack. There's ways to put concrete in that's just plain concrete, and then there's other ways that you could do it where it's reinforced. So if it wasn't reinforced correctly, that could be another issue. But there's nothing that you can do to repair it structurally at this point. You're always going to have a crack. So you know what you could do is seal that crack. There are special uh, caulk-like. It's not caulk, but it's a caulk-like product that's designed to seal concrete. Um, but you're always going to be looking at that crack unless you resurface the whole patio section. And again, there are products that are designed specifically for that, that will stick to the old uh, concrete slab, which is actually pretty new in your case, and perhaps cover the the crack. But that crack's always going to be sort of the place where the patio decides to expand and contract in the seasons. So Mm -hmm. I do suspect you'll always see some part of it. So you either live with it and uh, repair it cosmetically or just have it torn out and report. I mean, a slab itself is not that big of a deal to get out. You know, it seems like a big deal, big deal, but Frankly, they break up pretty quickly. Uh, oh. And then, again, key is making sure that that base is properly compacted and properly tamped and that the slab is properly reinforced. And if that's done right uh, with the right concrete mix, this should not have happened. Okay. It would, 
would it be all right even just to replace, like cut out maybe two feet along that slab and make like just take out the the corner square of it? You're gonna have you're gonna have that be separate slabs now. It depends on whether or not you want to see that. It's always going to be a cut. So no, probably not. Unless you want to make it an expansion joint and have it be completely separate, you know, pieces of concrete. Okay, very good. All right, good luck with that project. Sorry that happened to you. And thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Thank you. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Give us a call at 888 Money Pit, presented by Home Advisor, the fast and easy way to find the best home service pros in your area. You can read reviews, compare prices, and book appointments all online. Just ahead, do you know someone getting ready to rent an apartment, possibly for the first time? Well, there are many things to consider outside of just the four walls. We'll tell you what you need to know to make the best choice in where you live after this. You live in a body pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is presented by Rumblestone. Create a paper patio or walkway, garden retaining wall, grill enclosure, fire pit, or even an outdoor kitchen with Rumblestone from Pavestone. For project ideas and how-to videos, visit pavestone.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we'd love to know what's going on in your home. Give us a call right now with your home improvement or decor questions on the Money Pit's listener line at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor. You can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area, compare prices, read verified reviews, and book appointments online all for free. No matter the type of job, Home Advisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. Speaking of which, I just used Home Advisor again because my mom got ants in her house. Better than in her pants, Tom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was great. They gave me three companies and I looked at them all. They all had good reviews, but but one had many, many more than everyone else and also was squarely located in the area. So we booked that company and they came on out uh, actually the day, the next day. Uh, they said they'd be there between 8 and 9, and they were there at 7.30 in the morning. So they got in. Luckily, Mom was up. They got the whole house uh, taken care of, and, and now she's good to go for another year. So very happy with the service. I mean, that's fantastic. Now we've got Jeff in Illinois on the line who's dealing with a ventilation situation. What can we do for you today? Yeah, I should vent, vent a little bit because I had to insulate that attic up there. Okay. Yeah, so, um, so you know, it's an old addition, and when they built it, uh, they they covered the old gable up. 
and so when I went up there to insulate this uh, spring, I had to kind of cut a hole through the old gable end to get into the addition. So my question is, do I need to, like, should I keep cutting away at that, or do I, uh, how do I properly bent that. I don't want to cut the whole thing out because I suppose there's some supports there. Okay, so they basically when you add the addition, they added it onto the gable end of the old roof. So when you go up in the attic, you kind of see the old roof structure and the old gable end where the vent used to be, correct? Right. In fact, and I couldn't get through there. I mean, there was the vent was too small for me to get through to, to get into the addition to insulate. Oh, so there wasn't even any access in there to insulate. And they didn't insulate when they uh, built the addition? They did. They did insulate. But but uh, you know how they um, how they actually uh, got it in there. I don't know, but uh, I couldn't get to it. I know that. The answer to your question is that you want to basically treat each space separately in terms of ventilation. Then the best type of ventilation is actually no longer do we consider gable vents to be the best type of ventilation. The best type of ventilation, a continuous ridge vent that goes down the peak of the roof matched with soffit vents at the overhang. So this way we take air in down low, we run it up under the roof sheathing and exit it at the ridge. And that cycle will repeat 24-7, 365. Yeah, the only problem is there's no soffits in this house. All right, so if you did want to improve the ventilation, you could use a, a type of vent called a drip edge vent, which would require a little bit of carpentry. You'd have to extend or actually re-shingle the bottom layer of shingles at the edge. Uh, but the drip edge vent actually extends that roof line by about two inches and creates a continuous soffit. And if you go to uh, airvent.com, uh, that's the website for uh, the uh, certainty air vent companies. I know they've got a, a good diagram of one right there. So, so that's the way to improve that. Now, if you if you can't do that or you don't want to do that for right, all the obvious reasons, and maybe you're not seeing that you have a big you know ventilation problem right now, then I guess what I would suggest to you is to put in the ridge vents. It's that's something that you can always do, um, and then couple that with as many other roof vents as you can. Well, are you or someone you know getting ready to rent an apartment? Now, moving itself is a big step, especially if it's your first time doing so. Now, choosing the best rental for you is key, but you have to make sure that you think about your commute and the neighborhood because those are equally important. Absolutely. So let's talk first about driving distance. It could be the perfect apartment, but if it's a half hour or more commute from your job or your school, it's going to get real old real quick. So distance doesn't have to be the deciding factor. But it does matter. Not only does that commute mean time spent on the road every day, it means money spent in gas, and that also constrain your budget even more than that. Now, you also have to consider the traffic patterns around the neighborhood that you're considering. If you've got a car, is there a reasonable place to park it? If you don't have a car, can you easily access public transportation? How long is it going to take you to get to work, whether you have to drive or use public transportation? I mean, these are all things that are pretty important when you're considering where you're living. Yeah, and don't forget to check out the local grocery stores, the restaurants, the bars, the social scene. I mean, checking out that neighborhood thoroughly is going to tell you a lot about the atmosphere and whether or not it's a place you really want to live. For more tips, check out eight things you need to know before getting your first apartment, and that's our blog post this week on moneypit.com. Helen in Arizona is on the line with a question about some bubbling paint. What is going on? I had my uh, the exterior of my home painted uh, last summer. And um, the painter had uh, power washed it, came back in a, uh, a couple of days, a day or two, and actually did the painting. And it was about um, two months after that, I happened to notice little bubbles appearing under the, the paint. 
and um, I I presume that's because there's water under that paint. Not necessarily. What you have is an adhesion issue, so the paint's not sticking to the wood siding or the substrate, whatever it is. This is a wood-sided house? Yeah, it's a manufactured home, yes. Okay. Do you know if your painter applied a primer, or did he just put the top coat paint on? Uh, I'm trying to think if my paint did have primer in it. Well, it wouldn't have it in it. It would be a second coat. See, the right procedure would have been to scrape or pressure wash, as he did in this case, to get rid of the loose paint, algae or, or, or mildew and so on, let it dry. And then prime it, because primer is what is what makes the paint stick. Now, if he didn't prime it and the paint's separating after two months, that's a big problem. And it's a problem for your painter because he did something wrong. There's no way that paint should be failing after two months. I had it painted the fall prior, and, and the person did a terrible job. And so I decided to change colors and have it done again. The new painter... The guy who does accepts the condition of the house. So if the if the first guy made any mistakes, then the, the second guy's job is to correct those mistakes so that his work looks good. But there was no bubbling after the first paint job. Okay, I, I heard you on that. But okay, no matter what was there before, you need to make sure that the house was not only cleaned and loose paint removed, but primed. Because at some point you're going to keep you can't keep putting layers upon layers of paint and expect everyone to stick to the one before it. Primer is the glue that makes the paint stick, and if you did not prime, I think that's probably a good reason that this paint is failing. Two days in warm weather should probably have been enough to you know, deal with any moisture from the pressure washing. I mean, heck, it's not much more than just a heavy rainfall. So I think what you need to do is to, is to contact that painter and have them back and have a discussion as to why your paint's failing after a short period of time. It absolutely should not be happening. Thanks for calling us, and wish you the best of luck with that project. John Maryland's on the line with a water heater question. How can we help you? I have a gas hot water heater right now that vents up through, it's not really a chimney stack, but it's, uh, you know, the, uh, the sheet metal pipe, and that takes up a lot of space in a bathroom I have, and I'd like to kind of eliminate that, and I was wondering if there are any side venting uh, gas water heaters, similar to how you have some high-efficiency furnaces that sort of vent out of the side of the house. I was wondering what you guys' opinion on are of gas water heaters that might do the same, and that would allow me to get rid of that unusable space of my bathroom for renovation. Yeah, you're correct. There are what's called a direct vent uh, appliance, and there are direct vent water heaters. And if you are going to replace your water heater, I would consider a tankless water heater. You you mentioned space. Tankless water heaters are about a quarter of the size of the traditional tanked water heater. And yes, they are available as a direct vent type of installation. In fact, that's one of the things that makes them so cool is that they're they're so small and they're so easily vented that you can pretty much put them anywhere. So I think your solution is a directly vented tankless water heater. Okay, and 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 there's no issue there with uh, any problem with the uh, you know you're, you're always worried about I get flue gas and all that stuff that side vent those are safe to vent out and there's no issue right. Well, there's rules about where you put them. Like for example, you, you, there has to be so many feet away from a potentially open window and that kind of thing. And it has to be, you know, so far off the ground so it doesn't get covered with snow, the vent doesn't cover with snow. So there are some basic rules about where you put in a, a direct vent. But as long as you follow those, then no, there's no issue about them getting blocked. Great. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for your help. Love your show. 
All right. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Well, if you've ever had a major storm hit your area, you know that a home, which is generally safe, sound, secure, and dry, can quickly turn into a leaking mess. Kevin O'Connor, the host of This Old House, is next with tips on how to find and fix the leaks before they cause more damage. And today's edition of This Old House on the Money Pit is brought to you by ADT. Introducing ADT Go, the new family mobile safety app and service. Go to ADT.com to learn more today. You live in a money pit. With 36-month monitoring contract, early termination and installation fees apply. Certain markets excluded. Licenses available at ADT.com. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. The Money Fit is presented by Home Advisor. Find trusted home improvement pros for any project at homeadvisor.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now. We'd love to talk about your home improvement or decor question at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor, a fast and easy way to find the right pro for any kind of home project, whether it's a small repair or a major remodel. Now we've got Eleanor in Virginia on the line with a decking question. How can we help you today? The question I have is we have uh, Trek decking on our for our deck, which is, and also the porch, screened-in porch. But on the deck, uh, which is not uh, covered by any uh, roof or anything like that, it's all open uh, to the environment, we have um, spots on that which are, it's a gray color decking, and we have these dark spots all over it, uh, almost kind of look like a mold 
uh, and we do not know what is caused by. My husband has tried to use a uh, power washer with the soap that is recommended for that power washer. Also bleach with a scrub brush. Um, he has he can get it lightened, but not totally gone. And we're wondering if there's if you've ever heard of that with Trek decking and have any suggestions. Yeah, I mean some of the composite materials out there do have some wood fiber component and they will grow algae which is most likely what you're seeing now one of the treatments that we would recommend is a product called jomax j-o-m-a-x and jomax actually has a deck wash and jomax is uh, a detergent that also gets mixed with bleach gets applied to the deck you let it sit for 15 to 20 minutes and then you scrub it off I would be very careful with the power washer, except for just rinsing purposes, because too much pressure can actually ruin that deck. Now, another possibility is that those black spots are what's called artillery fungus. They kind of looks like a shotgun, kind of a pellet size. Artillery fungus is particularly difficult to get off, and one of the sources of it is mulch. Do you have mulch around your house, around your yard? Yes. Well, sometimes the the mulch that's sort of the uh, the ground mulch, the shredded bark mulch, will contain artillery fungus. And once that gets out and attaches to surfaces like decks or sometimes even cars, it's really, really difficult to get rid of it. So if that is what's going on, you we would recommend that you don't do that again. Don't put the shredded mulch back on. Only use the bark mulch that's in pieces. That seems to not have the issue. It's the shredded mulch that attracts and contains artillery fungus. I would try the Jomax deck wash and cleaner. I think you'll have better success with that than you did with straight bleach, okay? Yes. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you've ever had a major storm hit your house, you know that a home, which is generally safe, sound, secure, and dry, can quickly turn into a leaking mess. That's right, and it's especially true when wind gets behind all of that water and the rules of gravity no longer apply. That's why after a storm passes, it's really important to give your house a careful inspection. To show us how, we turn now to Kevin O'Connor, the host of TV's This Old House. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks for having me, guys. Now, obvious storm damage, like a broken window, that's easy to spot. But if you don't look closely, little problems could be missed and develop into big repair bills down the line, right? Well, it's true. And when wind and water are working together, they can really do some significant damage to your house, both structurally and to the mechanical equipment. So you want to check out for them. And actually, you want to do it quickly because time is your friend here. So let's talk about wind damage. Uh, High winds can rip through exterior walls. They can tear shingles off your house. Good idea to check for that kind of exterior damage first. Yeah, absolutely. You want to do a visual inspection of the house, walking all the way around it, looking at the claps or the shingles. Um, There are places that you might not easily be able to see with with your eyes. So get out a pair of binoculars or a telephoto lens and look up at that roof to make sure that the shingles are still on or none of the trim boards have been ripped off by the wind. Give it a good look. Now, with Hurricane Irene and a lot of the crazy storms that we experienced in unusual parts of the country this year, we've seen a lot of flooded basements and therefore flooded fixtures. You know, what do you do when you've had a lot of water in the basement and it's gotten to your outlets and any of your major appliances? 
Well, unfortunately, um, electrical fixtures that get really wet or submerged, they've got to go. You know, there could be some serious damage caused to those fixtures. Um, so you want to have those things replaced. And in terms of the flooded basements, you know, water on the outside of your house's foundation can actually build up quite a bit of pressure. Um, and it can cause those foundations to crack. It can force its way in through those concrete foundations. So you want to do a visual inspection outside and in of those foundations to see if there are any new cracks there or any ways uh, that the foundation has uh, started to fail. Now, speaking of flooded basements and flooded crawl spaces, we've seen floods in those places that really you could have owned the house for 20 years and it never, ever flooded. No reason to panic, though, just because it happened after one major storm. No, absolutely not, because, you know, the basement can actually be cleaned out. So you want to get in there. Obviously, you want to get all of the water out and dry it out, and you want to remove the damaged belongings from that basement. And then you want to go back and you want to check it, right? You want to make sure that you don't have any new cracks where the water can return. And also, think about where the water is coming from. Sure, it's raining or flooding, but it's also coming off your roof. So check those gutters. Get the water away from the house. And I imagine with a flooded basement, you know, especially if insurance has to become involved, you want to take some pictures of things that were damaged, document everything, so you really have a good catalog of what's, you know, been destroyed, if you will. Absolutely. Call the insurance company early. Take those pictures. You really shouldn't do too much work to the house other than securing it, stopping any problems that might cause it to get worse. So plug the leaks, um, but don't start tearing apart your basement until the insurance company showed up and done their inspection. We're talking to Kevin O'Connor. He's the host of TV's This Old House about how to check your house after a storm. Now, Kevin, when it comes to cleaning up after that water recedes, good idea to use a good quality disinfectant? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, in borax um, with some water, uh, some hot water and some elbow grease is going to do a good job of cleaning that stuff up. And also keep in mind, you know, if you're going to if you're worried about mold, well, mold needs water to grow. And so you want to dry out those areas, pump the water out and then use a dehumidifier, um, get some good circulation or even a heat lamp to dry out those materials so that mold doesn't grow and do it quickly. What about power failures? I mean, we've seen just an astronomical amount of power outages and ones that last a long, long time due to so many storms this past year. What can we do to be better prepared, you know, in advance of this, you know, event that could cause a power outage? We love a standby generator. We've installed a couple of these on Ask This Old House. And basically the idea is there are a lot of generators out there, but many of them are portable and you pour some gasoline into them and they run for a couple hours. A standby generator is actually installed near or around your house. It is tied right into the natural gas line. It'll check itself weekly to make sure that it's running properly. And if and when the power goes out, it kicks on, burns that natural gas to make electricity, and it will feed the critical circuits in your house um, pretty much for as long as the blackout lasts. And so it's a great way, a great preventative way to make sure you've got power during and after a storm. Good advice. And one final damage. Insurance is what we pay for to cover us for storm damage. Important to uh, get that claim documented in as quickly as possible, though, right? Absolutely. You know, as Leslie said, get those pictures taken, make some notes, make that phone call to them very quickly. And again, don't do too much work. You know, the work you should be doing is just to stop the problems, to stop the leak, get the inspector out there from your insurance company and let him make some decisions and work with them. Good advice. Kevin O'Connor, the host of TV's This Old House. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. It's my pleasure to be here. And you can catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and some step-by-step videos and more projects you can do at your home and a lot of great informative articles on home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House is brought to you on PBS by American Standard. Still ahead, don't let ticks take a bite out of your summer fun. We'll have tips on how to avoid those disease-carrying bugs after this. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor. Find trusted home improvement pros for any project at homeadvisor.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Leslie tackled a major project this weekend. We decided that it was time to paint the fence once again. Okay. And in doing so and taking care of it over the years, you know, the, the fence has lasted over 20 years now, and that's pretty darn good for a wood fence, that's right? That's a long time, Tom. But, you know, just as happens in so many other projects around the house, I was thinking, well, I could just get it, you know, quickly weeded out and pressure washed and uh, be good to start painting, you know, within a few hours. Well, not so fast. After I got into the fence and I started looking at it carefully, a lot of weeds were coming through from not only my side, but my neighbor's side. So I had to kind of go over the neighbor's side, weed their area against the fence, then weed my area. And then, of course, I'm looking at the fence now very carefully and finding all these loose boards. Bottom line, it took me both days of the weekend to weed it and paint it. (laughs) (laughs) So the painting project has now moved off to next weekend. So, you know, Folks, I'm telling you these stories because it happens to us, too. Sometimes the projects that look so simple end up taking twice as long, but that's okay. I find it very therapeutic and fun to take on projects like that, and I know it's going to look great once we are done. If you've got a project that is on your to-do list, why don't you slide it on over to ours? The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. Let's talk about it, help you get it done. You can also post your question to the Money Pit's community page at moneypit.com. Jim in South Dakota, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Well, I got a couple of exterior doors in the garage I added on to my house. And I'm getting water coming inside the doors. And two of them, two of them are coming through the latch side bottom corner. I've tried siliconing the, the threshold up to where it meets the jam. Tried running a little bit of silicone in there to seal that up, but I can't seem to find where it is coming in at. So, but every time it rains and if there's a breeze and pushing the rain against the latch side of the door, it's running down and coming to the inside. I've seen that kind of thing before. It's very frustrating. You're talking about a standard exterior door, not an overhead door, right? You're talking about one that has hinges. Right, yes, an exterior walkthrough door, yep. The first thing I would check is to make sure the door is perfectly hung. And by that, I mean it has an even reveal, top, side, bottom. And then looking under the door, sometimes with a flashlight, you can see gaps. So if you use a flashlight at the saddle, you can shine it on one side and look underneath and see if there's any gaps there. The type of weather stripping you have is the kind that kind of looks like what's on a refrigerator door. Yeah, yeah, it's that uh, D style or O style, whatever you want to call it. It's yep. actually pretty durable. Now, does this door open into the garage or does it open out to the backyard? Inwards. So pretty much like a standard door. Well, listen, if if you don't find anything there, I think you're going to have to go with a storm door because it's it's definitely breaking down with the weather stripping. I, I'm going to have to give that a try. All right. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
Well, now that we are traditionally in the hottest part of summer, it's also the most active time of year for many types of insects, including ticks. So it's important that you take steps to make sure those ticks don't ruin your summer fun. Yeah, you know, ticks, they carry Lyme disease. Not all of them, but some of them do, and they can be a major threat to your health. So you want to be smart about protecting yourself and your family whenever you go outdoors. First of all, always wear long sleeves, tuck your pant cuffs into boots or socks, and choose light-colored clothing that will make it easy to spot the ticks on. Then layer on insect repellent that's designed to be applied to both skin and clothing. You do have to check the bottle. I mean, it's amazing how some say don't apply to skin, only apply to clothing. So be sure you're using them correctly. Yeah. And while you're outdoors, you want to make sure you stay at the center of hiking paths and avoid the grassy and the marshy areas. You know, it's interesting. Everybody thinks that ticks jump. They really don't. They kind of hang on the shrubs and the tall grass. And when you brush by, they kind of jump onto you or grab grab onto you. Right. So once you get back home, you want to make sure you spend. You inspect yourself, you check your kids for any ticks that are clinging before those bites happen. It's kind of freaky when you start to find some on you or your kids when you get home, but it's the best way to avoid them digging in, if you know what I mean. We are ready, however, to dig in to help you with chores and projects around your house, maybe a decor project that you're planning. Maybe you're doing an outdoor project to make the space a little more enjoyable for the rest of summer. Give us a call right now or post your question to the Money Pits community page at moneypit.com. Still ahead, your refrigerator is one of the most heavily used appliances in the house, and it can cost you a bundle if it's not running efficiently. We'll have tips after this. The Money Pit is presented by Quick Creek Fast Setting Concrete Mix in the red bag. Make your next outdoor concrete project quick and easy. Quick Creek Fast Setting Concrete Mix. Look for it in the red bag. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Thanks so much for chatting with us this hour. We love to hear what it is that you are working on at your Money Pit, or at least dreaming of tackling. You know, you can always reach us online or by phone at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor. Find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire a pro and instantly book one of HomeAdvisor's top-rated pros for free. You can post your questions to the Money Pits community page as well at moneypit.com. And we've got one here from Rashonda in Maryland who says, What, if any, maintenance does a fridge need? Mine is only a few years old, but when I happen to be cleaning it, I notice that the back feels a little warmer than I think it should. You know... Rashonda, that's a great question. A refrigerator really doesn't need a lot of maintenance, and the fact that the outside is warm is actually normal because the refrigeration process basically uh, exchanges cold temperatures with warm temperatures, and those coils on the back are typically very warm, and that's because that's how we are getting rid of the heat and replacing it with the cold, so to speak. It has to do with the refrigerant refrigeration cycle and the flow of refrigerant through your system. Now, the fact that it's warm is not necessarily a uh, odd thing for you to to detect. Um, but I will give you a few things that you should be checking to make sure your refrigerator is working properly. First, you want to make sure that you've got sort of the right level of cold. Your refrigerator should be cold inside, but not too terribly cold. You want to get an interior temperature of somewhere between about 37 and 40 degrees. Also, check that door seal. 
when it's not tight, then you get a lot of cold air that escapes and your refrigerator has to work harder to cool the space inside again. And that adds up to a lot of money in energy costs. What you can do is uh, take a dollar bill or any bill and slip it, uh, try to close the door on it. Now, if you can pull it out, it's probably a little bit too loose. Perhaps it needs to be replaced. That's a fairly typical appliance repair. Uh, make sure that you are properly storing your food. Uncovered foods and liquids will release a lot of moisture and also odor that gets into the body of the refrigerator and becomes almost impossible sometimes to get out. And then clean those coils. If you do have exposed coils in the back of a refrigerator, dust them because this helps those coils cool quicker. We talked about the refrigeration cycle and that makes it a bit more efficient. And check underneath the refrigerator because you may have a drain pan that's under there that collects condensate and you want to take that out and clean it. So a few things that you could do to maintain your refrigerator, but the fact that yours is a little bit warm on the back is perfectly normal. Man, there's so many places to check on yeah. a fridge. You would think, <laughs> I mean, who would have known that there's so much maintenance? Most of the checking that we do of fridges are like when we're hungry. <laughs> yeah, like what's inside? Can right. I have that drink? Is this still good? That's, you know, those are those things. All right. Next up, we have a post from Kevin in New York who writes, My home was built in 1969 and the upstairs lights sometimes flicker when you first turn them on. It stops after a few seconds, but I'm concerned. Should I be? Yeah, you definitely should be. You shouldn't have that kind of flickering. There's a lot of things that could cause that. There could be, it sounds like there may be some degradation in some part of that electrical circuit, either the switch, the outlet, the circuit breaker. What also concerns me is that in 1969, uh, we were seeing a lot of aluminum wiring being used in homes. It was pretty much from 65 to 72, and that's a real fire hazard. So, Kevin, I would get that checked out by a pro. You could find one at homeadvisor.com. Make sure that the wiring is safe and determine exactly the cause of that flickering, whether it's fixtures, circuit breakers, whatever. You just want to make sure there's not an electrical fire that's brewing there. Yes, seriously, Kevin. Flickering lights is never good. So glad you wrote in. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show coming to you on a beautiful summer weekend. We hope that your home improvement projects are going well, but if they're not, we are here to help 24-7. You can reach us at 888-MONEY-PIT. If we're not in the studio, we'll call you back the next time we are. You can join us on the radio show or on the podcast. You can also post your questions to the Money Pits community page at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.